Good morning. Welcome to Noblesville First. And for those of you watching online, we welcome you to worship and I invite you to pull your candle out and light it to represent God's presence with you there while we worship together here. Today is All Saints Day and you're going to have an opportunity later. We're going to remember those members of our congregation who passed away in the last year. We're going to invite you, following that time, following communion, to light a candle in memory of someone that you have lost in this. So be prepared for that. All Saints Day is to acknowledge that, that God has used people in our lives to bring us to faith. It acknowledges that sainthood is not about being better than anyone else, but simply being a child of God and living into that even as we go into the next life. So at this, in that spirit, please share with me in the responsive sharing of our call to worship. We bless your holy name, O God, for all your servants who, having finished their course, now rest from their labors. Let us stand together as we sing for all the saints and number seven.
Let us pray. Lord, we pray your spirit comes upon us. And especially on this day as we remember our loved ones, remember those who have been special in our lives, and the people who have brought us to faith and through faith, that we'll honor you. For you know, we know you are the author of all life, and you hold the keys to life and death. May we celebrate that and look forward to that hope of resurrection that's there not just for our loved ones, but also waiting for ourselves. Through Christ, who is our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Before we begin with the reading of the names, I'd like to acknowledge that we have the honor of having Reverend Paul Kern with us today, who was former pastor here for many, many years. Uh, we'll be honoring his wife today. We're celebrating that he's with us. Jeff Schneider, Barbara Shepherd, Dick Towner, Karen Weesings, Dorothy Williams, and we light one candle for all our loved ones. And for community. Hi, we're the Genesis family. The scripture reading for today is Psalms 22, 1 through 2, and 19 through 22. My God, my God, why have you left me all alone? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my anguished groans? My God, I cry out during the day, but you don't answer. Even at nighttime, I don't stop. But you, Lord, don't be far away. You are my strength. Come quick and help me. Deliver me from the sword. Deliver my life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion, from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. 
happen to have children in the uh, Noble Kids program, you're invited this time to leave and make sure they get their, their classrooms. So, how many have heard recently, or maybe a while back, it's okay not to be okay? That's a phrase that uh, is really taken hold the point it's almost become a movement. And the purpose is to help address the problem of mental illness and get that out in the open so it can be talked about. I first heard the phrase, it's okay not to be okay, uh, watching the Colts game, seeing those NFL commercials put on by our team because they've been kind of riding upon that theme with the kicking the stigma campaign. And how helpful it's been to, to learn that even strong, powerful football players also fight anxiety and depression. You may not be aware, but an estimated 26% of Americans suffer from a diagnosable mental disorder in a given year. You hear that? 26%. That's one in four. That means most of the time, when you go through your day and you talk to somebody, one out of four of those people is going to be somebody who's not really okay when you ask them, how you doing? And they say, fine. And Sometimes that person's us, right? Sometimes we're not really fine, but we figure they don't really care about what I have to say. What a wonderful situation would it be if you could say honestly, you know, actually, I'm not doing all that well today. Maybe you don't have time, but hey, can we schedule lunch and go let me get this off my chest sometime? Wouldn't you love to have the freedom to do that? And maybe you do with a few special friends. But our world in general, is not very good about that. Instead, we live in a cult of optimism, and sometimes our Christian culture adds to that stigma. Because we think, well, if we're not okay, we're not okay soon enough, then we have a lack of faith. There must be something wrong with us. And so we get that attitude, which leads us into further isolation and away from the help that our faith is supposed to bring us, and especially the help that our faith community is supposed to bring us. That's why God created the church. So today, I want to apply that phrase, it's okay not to be okay, especially to the subject of grief on this day, All Saints Day, that we seek to try to remember our loved ones and, and deal with the loss that we're experiencing. I believe that when it comes to grief, the same grace that it's offered by the idea that it's okay not to be okay is just as helpful because grief is a journey and a process of healing that takes place. We allow our loss to become something that can be accepted and perhaps even embraced. Now, you've probably heard of the work of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who 50 years ago noticed that there are certain patterns of behavior of people who were experiencing grief. And she came up with five stages. And a couple of things that she discovered was that these five stages are not linear. You don't just move from one to the next nice and neatly. Sometimes you jump back and forth between them. A lot of that depends on the severity of the loss. Sometimes it depends on the relationship you had with that loved one. But it's not a nice, neat pattern. But it's helpful to know that your stages are going through it. 
And then in time, you're going to get to a better place. Now, people have added to your work, and I kind of like this list, which actually has seven stages because it gets in greater detail. That's shock or disbelief, curative denial. I've seen that happen in many places. Bargaining is more something that happens when you're dealing with your own loss, and especially if you know that you've got cancer or something like that you're dealing with. But then guilt, anger, depression. And I want you to stop and think, with all these different stages, how often are you going to use that word, I'm okay? Now, you might use it when you're in shock or disbelief or denial because you don't know any better. You're trying to avoid it. But especially when you get to guilt, anger, depression, you're not going to be okay. Those are not easy emotions to deal with, to work through. It's only when you come to that last one are you really going to be able to say, I'm okay. And most experts tell you that's probably a one to two year process, depending on the circumstances. I think the best and most healthy answer that I've gotten from people who are on the journey of grief is they'll say, I'm okay given the circumstances. That's a good answer. That's a good healthy answer. It's, it's saying, I'm not okay, but I'm working on it. And I know I'll get to a point where I will be okay at some point. Now, if you hear nothing else, please hear this. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross for us, who's God's Son, who is fully human and fully divine, was not always okay. Can you hear that? Even our Lord. And we got proof positive of that. We heard it in our scripture today from the 22nd Psalm. Now, I, I know for probably most of us, our, one of our, our favorite songs may be the 23rd Psalm, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Beautiful song. We've probably heard it funeral after funeral after funeral. But I like the 22nd Psalm even better because it's the Psalm that Jesus quoted when he was on the cross. Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you left me all alone? Or the more traditional translation, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus' words were so shocking and memorable. This is one of the few places that we see it in Mark 15, 33 and 34. In that scripture, it actually gives us the Aramaic, which is the words that Jesus would have used. Usually we get the Koine Greek, it's a translation. When Jesus said in Mark 15, my God, my God, where have sick me, he says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you left me? Those are shocking words for us. They're so shocking that we get the Aramaic because they heard them. And they remembered them. And they gave it to us in the scriptures centuries later. They're so shocking that some people try to develop some elaborate theology to explain that. And the explanation I've heard in many places is, well, Jesus said that because at the moment that he died, that's when he took on all the sin of the world, and therefore since God is perfect and can't look at sin, God turned away in that brief moment from Jesus. Well, people, let me tell you that that's not great theology. Because God can handle sin. Uh, God knows your sin, believe me. God's very aware of that. There's a much simpler explanation. One thing we know now, that a typical Jewish rabbi would often in those days 
recite the first verse or two of a psalm. And because most of the people they were speaking to, especially their disciples, would have the rest of the psalm memorized. He didn't need to go through and recite the whole psalm, but by just simply making reference to that beginning, they know that he intends the whole psalm. And if you take the time, and I encourage you to do that, go home and read the 22nd Psalm today or this week, and you'll notice there's a movement to it. It starts out with this lament, and you find that the Jewish writings are so honest. They share what their feelings are. They put it out there, not worried about what God or anybody else thinks, because it's the honest way to approach God and find the help that you need. But then as you keep reading... We find these verses in 19 and 22. They're right earlier, but would you read them with me? Let's read them together. But you, Lord, don't be far away. You are my strength. Come quick and help me. Deliver me from the sword. Deliver my life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion, from the horns of the wild oxen. And you have answered me. I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you in the very center of the congregation. You hear the faith that's in that? There's a movement in this psalm. And Jesus was praying on that cross. He did feel alone. But he also knew that God would be there. And God proved to be there through the resurrection, which was important for him, but also for us. God didn't abandon him. And so Jesus has given us a model for how we ought to pray, to take our honest feelings to God and share them openly without worry that God can handle it or somehow will judge me. God will receive us as we are. And that's not the only place that Jesus was not okay. He was not okay when he wept, when he found his good friend Lazarus had died, even though he was about to raise him back from the dead. Jesus was not okay when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was asking for God to take this yoke away from him. And God didn't answer that prayer the way he wanted it answered. So in the end, we know that Jesus was not, as, not always okay. It's okay to not be okay. Have you ever allowed yourself to pray to God as honestly as Jesus prayed? Do you have friends that you can turn to where you can be completely honest and share that openly? Do you see your church and your pastors as a place and a people where you can be transparent? We don't always have to have it together and share honestly your doubts. I believe that's the kind of church God wants us to be. A church where you're loved and accepted exactly as you are so you can learn to trust a God who wants to take you where you need to be. So a couple things I want to leave you with. One piece of help for those that maybe are still working in that journey of grief and a piece that might teach us how we can be helpful to someone else. And the first thing is it's just a few tips. If you're on that journey of faith, if you want to keep moving forward, try to be social. And I know that's not always easy. But get yourself out there. Stay involved with people. Even if you don't feel like it, it's helpful to you. Use coping skills. And for each of us, those are different. Sometimes it's uh, playing a sport or journaling, going for a run, run, yoga, maybe deep breathing, whatever works for you. Let yourself feel. Know that you're going to have low days, especially those holidays, those markers, those anniversary days, a 
or when you lost a loved one, or their birthday, or the holidays in general. And finally, try a, either a counselor or a support group that deals with grief. I know Grief Share is a tremendous program we have here that's helped so many people. And you may not think you're a group person, but believe me, even if you show up and you don't feel like talking, you learn so much by listening to someone else who's going through the same thing you are. And then if you are somebody that has someone that's going through that journey of grief, don't make the mistakes so many people do. I see this all the time. You know, we're great when a loved one's died and we show up at the funeral, we do the calling, the visiting, we might send some cards, we might make a moral, a moral contribution. We're right, they were so good those first few weeks. And then as those weeks become months, we get back on to living, and we're afraid, well, I don't want to bring up that loss because that might upset them. And we think that's helping them, but it's really not. They need to talk about the loved one. So they're not so alone. They don't feel so isolated. I lost a good friend this past year. <clears throat> Went to college with him. Oh, we studied so many hours together in the library at the University of Indianapolis. And we really bonded because we were both in that stage where we were working through our theology, coming across new facts, and we helped each other through a very special time in our faith, especially. And he died way too soon this past year. Of course, you know my definition of way too soon? Anybody my age or younger? <laughs> yeah. And I happen to also know his wife because she was high school sweethearts with him and went to college too and often came around the library. We were studying together, and so I knew her well. And it just turned out that, that my good friend John's burial arrangements involved the cemetery across the street, and so they contacted us, and I got her phone number. And I was in a meeting several months later where his name came up. It just made me think of it. And somehow I was prompted by the Holy Spirit to text his wife and just say, how you doing? And she responded with an answer that told me the exact problem I just described, that she feels so alone because nobody wants to talk about John. And so I said, let's have lunch and talk about John. And we had a great lunch. I got to celebrate all the ways that he had impacted my life, even though we hadn't touched base many years later. She got to talk about how she thinks about him every single day. And we've had two lunches. We're going to try to meet about once a quarter just to keep talking about John. So, do you know somebody that needs to celebrate a loved one? Don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be afraid that you might upset them. Both those situations go so much better when we decide it's okay to not be okay. When we understand that grief is a journey and faith is a process, a process our Lord Jesus demonstrated on the very cross that brings us salvation. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be a help to someone else. We thank you that it's okay not to be okay wherever we might be in our own personal journey of grief over someone that we've lost. May we know that our Lord and Savior has modeled for us the way to connect with you and with us.
Christ who is our Lord. Amen. This time we're going to celebrate the act of Holy Communion. And after we've taken the communion elements ourselves, Barbara will then lead into a prayer response. And you're invited to come up during that time to light a candle on behalf of someone that you miss. So I encourage you to get that first layer off, the way we have to do communion these days. And as we do so, and remember, the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And likewise, he lifted the cup and said, This is the blood of salvation, shed for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. Let us now share these elements together. Show us how it's come to you. You're ever more ready to receive us than we are to move towards you. And so you move towards us. We thank you for that. We receive what you offer. That is how we find your salvation. Amen.
team members here, and I uh, have the pleasure of sharing some wonderful announcements. It's a joy to be back and have all these activities going on. So, um, a lot of great events happening, so listen to what's happening in the next couple of weeks and mark the calendar. Thursday, November 18th, 7 to 9, we will be offering our Grief Share Surviving the Holiday Program. And this is a program um, for anyone in the community that has lost a loved one and is um, working through the difficult times of the holidays coming up. And it also pertains to any other anniversary or date um, that you would be have shared with your loved one. So we offer this program each year at this time, and it is free and no registration. So it is a week from Thursday. Friday, November 19th is a fun event here at church. It's called Bags, Baskets, and Blessings. And uh, we're really excited to have the United Methodist Women sponsor this program. A fun food fellowship and a silent auction with over 100 purses and 100 gift bags for your enjoyment. Um, tickets are, order forms are available out on the information desk and tickets at the door are $8 in advance, in advance and $10 at the door. Um, if you enjoy singing, you're invited to join the singing with the chancel choir during the Festival of Music on December 12th and during the Advent and then on Christmas Eve. So they had a rehearsal today, 12.30 to 2.30, and we'll begin rehearsing on Wednesday evenings at 7.30. And please come and join them. It's a joy to be up here. I've enjoyed this morning being up here listening. So. Um, beginning um, this Tuesday, November 9th, we are offering a four-week Advent Bible study um, using the book The Journey by Adam Hamilton. And if you've read this book before, this is a new 10-year revised edition. Um, and you'll have different facilitators each week, and I hope you come Tuesday, because I'm leaving. So, <laughs> be sure to fill up the class. But anyway, um, Paul Ernst, Mary Eileen Spence, and Jill Moffat will be the other leaders for this program. So, that's Tuesday, this Tuesday, 9 o'clock in the parlor. Sunday, November 28th, 4 to 6, we'll have our annual Hanging of the Greens. And this year, we're also looking for individuals or families that are interested in hanging the Christmas, which is new for us, on our Christmas tree. Does anybody here know what a Christmas is? Besides the people. <laughs> <laughs> they know. They've been working. No way. I was surprised. Anyway, our Christmas are beautiful white and gold ornaments that are hung on the trees. And they, each ornament is a of uh, symbol of Christ. And so we're asking uh, families or individuals to come and help us hang these on the tree. And they'll also give us a little information, which we will give you, um, about the Christmas before they hang it. So um, come and enjoy. And we invite you to visit noblesvillefirst.com and click on the Next Steps graphic um, to register your attendance. Give online, request prayer concerns. 
and link to other opportunities that are happening in the church. And if you are visiting for the first time today, either in person or online, please reach out to the hospitality coordinator, Pam Kappinger. Um, she'll be out in the hallway here after worship. And now we celebrate having so many glorious happenings in this church and our community. We now turn to our offering time. So as we turn to our time of giving back to God, a portion of the gifts that he shares with us each day, let us pray. As we turn our hearts to you, God Almighty, in a time of thanksgiving for the abundance of our lives, we offer to your church the first fruits of our harvest to be used to the benefit of your kingdom. May our gifts today be used to spread the love of Christ out into this community, this state, this nation, and the world. May each coin help to spread God's love to all his people. Amen.
invite you to quiet your spirit and commune with God in a time of silent prayer to remember others that are in need of God's love and grace. May we go now to prayer. Gracious Father, you, Lord, are the creator of all and the author of peace. Often we lean on our own ways and leave you behind in our thoughts and decisions. Forgive us, Lord, for the many times that we walk through the life without seeking your guidance and following your word. We come to you today in search of normalcy. We yearn for our minds to be peaceful, but struggle with all that is happening around us and search for you. Too many of us are hurting and in conflict, suffering from illness, depression, and grief. In prayer this morning, we come to you seeking your comfort. I look to you for your healing for our friends. We lift up to you this week those among us that are in need of your care. Jerry, Nancy, Jill, Stephanie, Keith, Paul, and the families of the saints we remember today, and others that are in need of your comfort and peace. We pray for those that suffer alone, keeping their hurt within, and those in grief that have no one to talk with. For these we ask, that you send to them someone who will be a listener and a comforter. May each of us learn to be listeners when we are called to serve. And Lord, we pray for our world, for the, for the refugees that come to our borders and those displaced from their homelands, from schools that cannot meet for various reasons, for the lonely, loneliness, the homeless, the hungry, May we, you hear our prayer, O Lord. And we offer thanksgiving today for new vaccines that will give our people and children new hope against the COVID virus. And we give thanks for new babies and families that are your gift to us. You are a gracious God of truth and wisdom. But you, Lord, don't be far away. You are our strength. Come quick and help us. In your son's name we pray. Amen. And I ask you now to join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory
united for those families that are here and would like to take a candle. They are here for your family to take home. And as you go out from this place today, through these words from the Apostle Paul, peace to your brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Go.